0: Today on CityCast Salt Lake, in a post-Roe world, Western states like Utah, Idaho, and Arizona face looming abortion bans that might have us turning to Nevada, where abortion rights have been codified in state law since 1990. I'm hosting my colleagues Frankie Barnhill of CityCast Boise and David Figler of CityCast Las Vegas to discuss what the foreshadowed end of Roe means across state lines and for the upcoming elections. It's Monday, May 9th, 2022. I'm Allie Viarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. We've got David Figler of CityCast Las Vegas. David, welcome.
1: Hello. Hi, Allie.
0: We've got Frankie Barnhill from the CityCast coming to a Boise near you. Hi, Frankie. Allie, it is so great to be here. Hi, David. Hi, Frankie. It's, it's really great to be here with you all, and I hope this is the first of many conversations that we share because our cities have a lot in common, and that kind of ranges from water to fire to just being out here in the West. But today, the thing that we're going to talk about is abortion and this leaked memo from the Supreme Court that kind of foreshadowed the overturning of Roe and has us, I think, uh, basically in a bit of a fire drill is how I would describe it or characterize it. Frankie, you and I live in really similar states, Utah and Idaho, I think, in a lot of ways. And David, the situation in Nevada is a little bit different, a bluer state for sure.
1: Sort of bluer, but I mean, we're nestled between you two and we certainly have an influence in parts of our state from both Utah and Idaho.
0: That's true. Well, you know, we're (laughs) amoeba-like. You know, to start off, I think we've got to talk about what the overturning of Roe would really mean in all of our states. But before we get there, because I know we're going to bring up trigger laws, David, since you're our legal scholar, could you define for us what is a trigger law?
1: So, yeah. So there is a concept that... Legislatures can put provisions in statutes that become triggered or enacted uh, upon the event occurring at a federal level or if something becomes declared unconstitutional. This is very common. It, it involves a lot of different things, especially in areas of, of controversy where it looks like there might be a ruling on something. Hmm. Certainly. In in the realm of abortion rights in the states that have been trying to significantly limit it, there have been efforts to allow for greater uh, suppression of abortion rights in the event that things occur at a constitutional level. And, and that would be primarily through the United States Supreme Court.
0: Frankie, so if Roe is overturned, what will that mean for people in Idaho who can carry pregnancies?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And yeah, it means that our trigger law that was uh, passed by our state legislature in 2020 um, will go into effect 30 days following the Supreme Court. That's how it's written into Idaho statute. Hmm. Um, And specifically, our trigger law means that any provider, doctor, um, medical provider, who actually does an abortion, who actually provides an abortion, or mm-hmm. who even attempts to provide an abortion could face a felony and also no less than two years in prison and no more than five years in prison. Mm. So it's a very, I don't know how to compare it to other states necessarily, but it seems, I know that the abortion rights activists here and um, and healthcare advocates here feel like it is pretty draconian and, mm-hmm. um, Definitely is something that they are very, very worried about and know is likely to come to pass, and especially after this leaked
0: draft um, came out. So if we're anticipating a decision from the court in June or July, I mean, that could be as soon as August.
2: Exactly. Yeah, 30 days after that. So folks here are preparing for what might
0: come this summer, which is not very far away at all. Similarly, Utah has a trigger law. Ours would be in as well an all out ban, except in the case of a threat to the life of the mother, what they would describe as a fetal anomaly or cases of rape or incest. The situation, of course, is that for cases of rape or incest, it would have to be reported to the police, which we know many people who are victims do not report their crimes or assaults to the police for a variety of reasons um but interestingly like this law this sort of approach is in step with the church of jesus christ of latter day saints which is of course relevant out here in the west and especially in utah but the utah republican party would like to move even further to the right this means that you know utah People who need an abortion would have to travel outside the state in order to do that. And I I'm, imagine one of the places they would be traveling is Nevada. David, what? how would the overturning of Roe affect Nevadans?
1: That, that's a great question. N- Nevada is a little bit different. We obtained the first female majority legislature in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's in both houses. And our Supreme Court here is also uh, majority female. So first of all, there was a, a ballot initiative. And so abortion rights were enshrined in the law as passed by the people. And that goes all the way back to 1990. Since then, and under the female-led majority legislature here, there's been a great effort to clean up a lot of the older and arcane prohibitions or uh, barriers, really, to access to abortion. While not everyone, obviously, in any community supports the right to and the access to abortion, Mm -hmm. Nevada has been sort of... uh, a leader in that, and I, I, I'd like to think that that's attributable to the fact that actual women are deciding issues that affect actual women, <laughs> in a mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah. and, and so that access is here, and there is no requirement for state residency. You know, Las Vegas and and Reno aren't necessarily known as being bastions of amazing healthcare <laughs> for people, <laughs> but but certainly when it comes to abortion and abortion rights. It is something that is available, safe, and again, legal.
0: David, why are abortion rights in Nevada pretty safe?
1: Uh, Well, Allie, it's it's because the people voted for it. And that support still remains. A recent polling says it was 65% pro-choice in our state. But at the end of the day, it would take a vote of the people again to undo what's been done. So abortion access in Nevada isn't going anywhere.
0: Okay. I mean... The thing that I think has been interesting in conversations with pro-choice activists about the leak of this memo is how many of them have said, we've been preparing for this moment for anywhere from, you know, decades to generations, right? Like as soon as abortion became legal in this country the fight to preserve that right began. And I'm curious, Frankie, in your conversations with abortion providers or pro-choice activists in Idaho, how are they responding to this leak in this moment?
2: Yeah, so I actually spoke with Misty Deli Carpini Tolman a little bit after the the leak came out. She is with Planned Parenthood here in Idaho. She's been um, involved in healthcare and uh, abortion rights for a decade. She lobbies at our state house, mm-hmm. and she told me, I mean, of course, when she heard the news, she felt just absolutely gutted. And she said, you know, we've been preparing for this, but there was nothing like actually reading the words. Yeah, They're devastated, they're furious, and they're ready to fight back, I think was her quote to me with that. They have been preparing for the fact that a trigger, our trigger law will likely go into effect. And that means being in strong communication with Planned Parenthood in other states and in surrounding states, including in Nevada, Mm -hmm. actually in Idaho. So there are three current Planned Parenthood clinics. They're all in the southern portion of the state. And so folks who are in northern Idaho, they already have to go to Washington state to Spokane to gain access to abortion care Hmm. um, and to health care there. Idahoans are not not unused to the idea of having to travel across state lines and certainly even within state lines, many, many, many uh, hours and miles. And the cost that comes with that, of course, is something she's really concerned about. Oregon is responding to the fact that people in the Boise metro might soon need access to abortion care. And they're looking at putting up a clinic just about an hour away from Boise. Yeah,
0: we know that the thing about people traveling to get legal and safe abortions is that it's difficult, it's expensive. But I think it's interesting that people in like northern parts of Idaho are already doing this.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's already a state that's not friendly, obviously, to abortion access and uh, people have to go to great lengths. You know, everything from thinking about how to get child care in order to take time off from work to go and access the abortion, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, just actually getting it scheduled.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really interesting in speaking with folks here in Utah and also nationally is there is and was a believability gap between, you know, I think it was just earlier this spring, the um, president of Planned Parenthood America, Alexis McGill Johnson, was doing sort of a speaking tour and and saying that they had polled Planned Parenthood members internally about whether or not they actually believed Roe would be overturned. And there was this enormous gap between, like, How many people really believe that that would happen and how many people were actually skeptical that that would happen, even though these were people in sort of the activist space. And so I think in terms of the ripple effect in really conservative states like ours and probably also in like bluer states where people also support Planned Parenthood, like just the shock resulting from. Us being um, super zoomed through that believability gap into this could happen. I mean, we're looking at this document,
2: right? Exactly. That's such a good point. And yeah, the fact that it was an internal poll of members uh, really speaks. <laughs> yeah, speaks. To, so what would it be like if we were able to pull the whole country before yeah. this happened? What would that believability gap be? That'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, with Nevada being one of the closest places that people who need an abortion in Utah or Idaho could go to receive one. I'm curious, David, like what is that process? Because when I think about it in theory, I'm like, yeah, okay, you hop in the car, but there's, there's so much fear and there's so much, um, I think, concern and anxiety around like, you know, just going to another state to have something done that in your state is illegal. I'm curious about the practicality of what that might look like for someone.
1: Sure. Well, I, I don't think the legality, because it is jurisdictional, is, is as much an issue as the practicality of it. Look, having to travel under any circumstances for health care, uh, for medical procedures, mm-hmm. comes with in, in inherent concern and challenges. And there's big distances, you know, out here in the West, uh, and you do have to travel. And I think that's part of it as well. I mean, luckily, there are advocacy groups. There's one in Nevada called the Wild West Access Fund that is helping people defray mm-hmm. expenses and again, navigate them through the process in the easiest way. But, you know, it, it it's not a Something that someone could just say, okay, irrespective of my financial condition, I'm going to fly or transport myself to another community, stay there for as long as it takes, take care of everything and all the expenses there, and then come back home. That would be very unrealistic. And that's part of the challenge that I know we're all talking and all thinking about.
0: Right. And I think it's also really important just to note like, decreased accessibility to anything, but specifically healthcare, discriminates. Yes. And, you know, Frankie, I'm curious, like, what is that going to look like in Idaho?
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, the Planned Parenthood advocate I mentioned um, before, she is very concerned in particular about our gro- growing Latinx community here who already struggle to gain a- healthcare access. Um, we saw that with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that that's a real challenge. Same thing with uh, also accessing healthcare among people who are indigenous. F- folks who are, are focusing on this are really thinking hard about those communities and making sure they can serve them in a post-row
0: world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're having this conversation on the eve of the National Day of Awareness of Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Two-Spirit People. And I think that's not lost on us in the West, right? Like there is a real intersection between the crisis of missing and murdered Indigenous People and reproductive access. Absolutely. Yep. We're told by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer that there will be a Senate vote to codify abortion as a legal right in this country. I don't know how you both are feeling. I'm not personally optimistic that the United States Senate will get that done. And I think what we're hearing across the board is this issue is moving down ballot. This is going to become about what states or even municipalities or counties can be doing to alleviate the burden that's going to be created by the overturning of Roe if it happens. And I'm curious, Frankie, like, you know you and i are both in these deep deep conservative super majorities and so again i'm not terribly optimistic but i'm Curious what's on the table in Idaho and what what local leaders are looking at?
2: Yeah, well, we've already seen I've been mostly talking about the trigger law that went onto the the statute in uh, 2020. But in this most recent legislative um, session, too, we saw Idaho pass, you know, what would be probably called a Texas style six week abortion ban Mm -hmm. um, that would, in essence, make it impossible for people to access abortion after six weeks in the state. Now, it's currently held up in Idaho's Supreme Court at the moment, so it's not in place yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we've already seen our conservative lawmakers here who are up for election here, and the May primary is coming up very soon, Mm -hmm. Um, and we've already seen what they will do. And they went pretty far with this particular Ban And I think took some people aback and even um, Planned Parenthood shared with me some interesting kind of data and some polling that they've done um, themselves about where Idahoans stand. Of course, yeah, Idaho is a very conservative state. But even within that, at least according to their polling, there are uh, more Idahoans who are pro-choice, who would characterize themselves as pro-choice, about 45 percent, than who are Democratic, which is about 28 hmm. percent. So that says something, too, and it reflects Kind of national numbers around the support for abortion access.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just important to say, like, well, you brought up, Frankie, the word draconian early in our conversation, and that is certainly a word that we're hearing a lot here in Utah. I think there are some mayors and some, like, municipalities that are trying to figure out what they could do, even if it's just, like, running communications or information campaigns. But our, our state is, I think, going to be... I mean, we've heard from a lot of our local electeds that when this memo was leaked, they were absolutely um, thrilled by it. Our, both of our senators, Romney and Lee, were thrilled by it. Members of the legislature are looking forward to this decision, and so is our governor, so...
2: Yeah, our our congressional delegation all came out very strongly, you know, in support of this leaked draft. They were of course concerned about the leak more than what it actually mm-hmm. what it actually says. And I will say one more note that I think is just fascinating in Idaho politics and I know Utah uh, has seen this too, um people who are liberal leaning, progressive, democratic voters generally who then register as Republicans in our closed primary to because they feel as though that's the only way for their vote to count. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've seen quite a shift and uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but um, there are some preliminary numbers around the number of Democrats who were registered in previous elections versus this upcoming May primary. And there's
0: a significant number that have switched to voting as Republicans. Yeah. When I was growing up, we used to have an expression that was Democrats fall in love and Republicans fall in line. And I think that that is (laughs) so I mean, like, especially on, you know, this issue, Um, I think that really is the case. And it's interesting, like, I have to wonder if Idaho is a bit of a crystal ball for us here in Utah, because just this year, a lot of Utahns switch their affiliation to vote for a more moderate Republican candidate in a primary, Becky Edwards, who they're hoping will oust Senator Mike Lee, who is, you know, known to be, I think, nationally, if not internationally, a very far right extremist. Um But I'm curious, David, in Nevada, I mean, like, you know, we, Frankie and I have been characterizing it as kind of like a blue state, because to us, we're like, oh, yeah, that's very different, but is more purple. And I'm I am curious if you think that this issue will fortify some some more right wing candidates in your state.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, people have already come out uh, who are running for election with statements on on the leaked memo Uh, and and maybe. Uh, you know, for better or worse in the election cycle, it is going to be uh, a galvanizing issue for the various bases uh, on, on both sides, Democrat and Republican. So what happened initially, almost right away, is our attorney general, uh, who's a Democrat, and our governor, who's also a Democrat, and both our United States senators, who are Democrats both, and both women, came out immediately affirming not only the Enshrine laws in Nevada, and how you know access uh, at that 24 week is is unmovable. Essentially, both both the United States senators indicated that uh, on the federal level that this is a fight that they're willing to take up as well. Adam Laxalt, who is a failed gubernatorial candidate, is the front runner in the Senate uh, race for for the Republican nomination, and and he kind of had a real mishmash of a statement. Uh, lauding the the leaked opinion, affirming his anti-abortion bona fides, as did his opponent, but then also immediately acknowledging that Nevada is is not an issue. It's not a battlefield for this. You know, Nevada has its libertarian streak, uh, has its personal rights streak. And I think that if the Democratic candidates down-ballot, up-ballot, uh, start talking about how this is a, a a steady, you know, today it's abortion rights, tomorrow it, it could be marriage rights. And, and Nevada is also uh, a state that, prior to the uh, US Supreme Court coming in on it, allowed for same-sex marriage and stuff. And that could be at risk as well. And it might not just be limited to abortion, but it's definitely going to be part of the conversation as the elections proceed.
0: Yeah. Thank you both for your time today and for chatting with me about this. It was great to be with you. I'm sure we'll be together again. And Frankie, we're so looking forward to the launch of CityCast Boise and to more conversations with you on issues. It's coming soon. Thanks so much, Allie.
1: Thanks, Allie. Good to hear from you, Frankie.
2: Yep. You too, David. Take care, guys. Take care.
0: A little news before we go. If you were in town on Saturday, you were choking on the air. It's been a dusty spring, and we are told this is our new normal. The Utah Division of Environmental Quality says the gray haze this weekend was caused by windblown dust. Honestly, another good reason to keep your mask on. If you're ever trying to figure out what's up with the air or plan a day with air quality guidance, yes, a very Salt Lake problem, You can call the Utah DEQ at 801 536 0072 or download the Utah Air app. It's one word Utah Air. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. If you want to hear more from the CityCast Las Vegas team, you can find them at lasvegas.citycast.fm. And tell your friends and fam, Boise is coming. Sign up for the CityCast Boise newsletter and upcoming podcast launch at boise.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Maybe it won't let you record because you don't have a vagina. (laughs) (laughs) No womb, no mic.